0: This is the Kratom Science Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Gallagher, blog and social media writer for KratomScience.com, your source for all things Kratom. My guest is Dr. Darshan Singh from the Center for Drug Research at the University of Science in Malaysia. Dr. Singh studies substance abuse, addiction treatment, and harm reduction. He has conducted multiple studies of Kratom consumers and has found Kratom in its pure form to be a safe and effective way to decrease substance use, mitigate withdrawal symptoms, and decrease HIV risk behaviors among addicts. Dr. Singh is one of the most active scientists in the study of Ketom in Southeast Asia. I've seen your name on a lot of studies that I've read. and Got it right. And yeah, thanks for all the work you do. It's taught me a lot about Kratom. Or kratom—that's what we call it around here. Uh, there's different people pronounce it different. <laughs> correct, correct. Uh, how do you pronounce it in Malaysia?
1: In Malaysia, it is pronounced as ketom, 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 Yeah, k-tum.
0: yeah. <laughs> that's what we say around here. But uh, my boss is a kratom science. Told me to say kratom because that's how most people in the U.S. say it. <laughs> Correct. 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 So, how did you come to study kratom or critical? Okay.
1: So, all right. Okay. So, let me just begin. Um, I was a PhD student in 2007 uh, at the University of Science Malaysia. I came in as a PhD student, and I and I was very interested to study heroin users. And uh, at that time, um, my supervisor told me, Darshan, is it possible that you try to investigate why heroin users living in the uh, rural areas of Malaysia, why heroin users were actually using Kratom uh, or uh, Ketom, All right. So, so it, was, it all started when I was doing my PhD and I started reading a lot to understand what Ketom E is all about. And um, once I got my human ethical uh, ethics approval to actually study uh, Ketom users, um, so I decided to travel to the rural areas in the peninsular states of Malaysia. So I traveled to Perlis and Kedah, which is very close to the Thai border or Thailand. Uh, Because the reason why I went there was because Thailand and Malaysia has a lot of kratom use history, all right? So I decided to actually explore these northern region states, and I went into the rural community, and uh, I met a lot of heroin users, and they were actually using kratom. And I was so curious. I wanted to know, why are you guys using kratom? And they told me we were actually using it as a substitute to heroin because uh, back in 2007, though methadone was introduced in the country in 2005 um, as a pilot project, but methadone maintenance treatment was not available for heroin users living in rural areas. So since there is no medicine assisted therapy, the availability was not there, and uh, heroin users who were living in rural areas were actually using katom as a substitute to heroin so it all began uh, when uh, when i was doing my phd and i worked very closely with uh, heroin users who were actually using katom in the rural areas so that is how i started my journey uh, to understand more about katom is katom
0: mostly used in rural areas in Malaysia, or is it also consumed in cities as well?
1: Okay, now to tell you the latest trend, Katom is widely available in rural and urban settings. Now I get to see a lot of people living in urban settings are also using Katom. They use Katom for various reasons. Basically, they use Katom for its therapeutic properties. So, so it is no longer a rural thing. Now, everybody in the community, whether you are in a rural area or you are living in an urban area, you you get to use Katom. Katom has, you know, uh, it's no longer a rural activity or practice. Now, if you come to Malaysia, if you go to the urban areas, you get to see people also consuming katom. Uh, and how long has uh,
0: kritom been used in, in uh, Malaysia?
1: Okay, to tell you the truth, uh, so uh, I got some some history. uh, I managed to retrieve some history and uh, managed to uh, retrieve some history, meaning to say some publications that was available in the Singapore uh, library. All right. I found Kratom was first reported to be used as an opium cure in Malaysia in 1836. Since 1836, Kratom was used as an opium cure in Malaya because before independence, Malaysia was known as Malaya, Malaya. right? So you get to see a lot of Chinese immigrants because we brought Chinese, uh, sorry, Chinese migrant workers to work in Malaya or in Malaysia in the 1836, 1837. Um, So uh, these British botanists, have actually recorded people who were dependent on opium. Whenever there was an opium shortage, people used ketom or kretom to treat uh, opium addiction. So it has been there for 100 over years. It is nothing new. Hmm. Uh, So unfortunately, uh, as I said, uh, there are many reasons why the government decided to regulate ketom. And it was regulated, if I'm not wrong, somewhere around in 2000, between, uh, before 2005. No, it was regulated after 2005. After 2005, it was regulated under the Dangerous Drugs Act. Before that, it was not an offense uh, for people to use katom. Okay, yeah,
0: I was going to ask about the legal status. Do you have to have a permit to research
1: Kratom in Malaysia? If, okay, now you have you have to understand with the dangerous drug, sorry, with the Poisons Act, right? Possession is an offense. If you were to possess ketom leaf or uh, ketom material, it's an offense. You could be arrested by the police. You could be slapped with a fine uh, nothing less than RM 10,000 ringgit. So as a researcher, the university apply uh, for permit or license if i were to bring back katom leaves into my lab for research of course i need to get a license in case the police catch me i get to show them that you know i'm given the permit to actually carry katom but for research purposes you don't need to ask for any permission or permit from the police or from the government as an investigator as a researcher because i'm uh, i work with the government the university is a public university so I get to work uh, with Katom users there is no problem but as I say sometimes now lately um, it is not easy to work with Katom users is because they always assume that I'm actually a police officer I'm coming in into their territory I'm coming in into their uh, into their community. My main my main motive is to actually understand Katom use but sometimes they wrongly interpret it and they believe that, no, this guy is a police spy. If he comes in into our community, he gets to know many things, and we are f- afraid that the government could actually further regulate ketom.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it must be hard to... And you're also asking a lot of questions, too, so it must be hard to um, sometimes get participants in some of your studies.
1: Uh, correct. It, it depends. It depends. Uh, you see, like me... Um, I do work very closely with katom users, as I said. Sometimes they could be very nice. If you go into certain communities, people are willing to accept you to come in as a researcher uh, to understand about the yeah, kato using tradition. But if you were to go to urban areas, sometimes you know, because as I said, katom is regulated; it's banned in the country. So if people are also selling ketom in urban areas in clandestine settings, so if I were to go, you know, if they get to know that they are selling ketom in clandestine settings. They are afraid that the police could actually bust uh, or cripple uh, the activity in the city. So that is why sometimes they prefer not me coming in to know everything. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, I bet. I bet. Um, so a year ago, I read in the news that the uh, health minister in Malaysia announced um, plans to decriminalize all drug use. Is that still in the plans to happen there? Okay
1: to tell you uh, the truth last year the term or the terminology that we call decriminalization of drug use was being proposed by the ministry of health malaysia they were actually looking at because as i said in malaysia we are having this big drug use problem mm-hmm. and it's an offense if you were to administer drugs and if you are tested positive for drug use uh, tested positive for drug use you could be caught by the police and if you cannot pay a fine, which is uh, more uh, less than RM 5,000 ringgit, you have to be sentenced to prison nothing less than two years. Now, the prison population, um, I would say more than two-thirds of the prison prison population in Malaysia are incarcerated for minor drug-related offences. Mm. So so, so that is why, and, and to also address the overcrowding of prison, the government decided to to see whether they could actually decriminalize drug use. But unfortunately, as I said recently, there is a change uh, in uh, the political climate or change in government. So I would not know whether the present government who is in power, would they decriminalize drug use or not? We would not know, but the term was brought up. The idea was brought up last year Hmm. and uh, it was just waiting for cabinet's approval. But as I said, in the month of March this year, there is a political transition. So we would not know whether the current government will bring up uh, uh, the topic of decriminalizing drug use. We would not know.
0: Is the public in, faz- in favor of
1: um, Kratom being legal? Okay. Um, to tell you the truth right now, since Malaysia is facing or experiencing this big drug use problem, So, and the media have, you know, have highlighted negatively about Kratom every time. If you read the Malaysian paper or the mainstream media in Malaysia, the newspapers, they always report about Kratom seizure, Kratom seizure. (laughs) Uh, A lot of young people are engaging in Kratom use. And they also bring up the theory of the gate gate theory. Gate gate theory meaning to say if you allow someone to use katom, we are afraid that they might gradually progress and use other illicit substances. Mm-hmm. But as an investigator, I've not seen this happening. I get to see people who are dependent on illicit drugs coming out from drug addiction and using katom as a safer alternative. But I don't see the reverse. I don't see people using Ketom and then they gradually progress into using illicit drugs. I've not seen this uh, through my 10 years research career. I've not came across such situation. Probably there could be a possibility if you get 10 Ketom users who have no drug use history, maybe one, you know, because of curiosity, he will say, okay, why not? uh, I try heroin or I try crystal meth, you know, Just out of curiosity, so probably he might use illicit drugs, but as I said, not everyone who starts with ketom will progress and use other illicit substances.
0: Yeah, and the people I've talked to, it seems like they use Kratom to get off of other substances, like, like you said with uh, heroin. Um, and, and a lot of the studies I've been looking at here that you did, um, you showed that it actually reduces the um, bad effects of the opiates. Um, why do you think Kratom actually does that? Okay,
1: to tell you the truth, um, heroin morphine consumption has deleterious effects, all right? Mm-hmm. If someone who is addicted or dependent on heroin and morphine for prolonged periods, for long period of time, or for long period of duration, they develop a lot of side effects as a result of long-term uh, heroin morphine use. But in ketum, as I said, ketum is a unique plant. It has unique pharmacological properties. Though it binds to opioid receptors, but it doesn't bind. It doesn't bind. Um, Um, very strongly to the opioid receptors. It also binds to other receptors, non-opioid-like effects. uh, Sorry, uh, other non-opioid-like receptors. So therefore, when I interview my heroin users and uh, since they start using ketom, they report that there is a significant reduction in the side effects of heroin morphine use. For example, if someone is experiencing breathing difficulty or constipation, but when they use ketom, the intensity or the severity of the heroin morphine symptoms decreases over time. So as I said, ketone is such a unique plant. It has more than 40 unique alkaloids. And the sad thing is, all the enforcement agencies around the world is just looking at metrogenin or 7-hydroxymetrogenin is just one single compound. So you have to understand ketom. If you if you consume as the decoction, you are ingesting more than forty different alkaloids. Mm-hmm. So therefore, it helps to reduce the intensity or the severity of heroin morphine side effects. And um, as as I, as I said, I've seen a lot of uh, heroin morphine who were dependent who were injecting heroin and morphine, you know, for long period of time. When they start using ketom, as I said, ketom it is. Ketum is not a magic pill, meaning to say that if I'm dependent on heroin for 20 years and if I use katum today, I would successfully abstain from heroin, morphine, no such thing. It takes time, maybe more than a year, then you could actually reduce your heroin intake and then you become totally, you know, totally, uh, you can totally abstain from heroin, morphine consumption. So you replace katum. Um as an alternative to heroin morphine. So Katom helps to actually maintain your abstinence and you become drug free for prolonged periods. So so this is how Katom works. It doesn't mean that I'm addicted to heroin morphine for 20 years, 30 years. And if I start using Katom tomorrow, I could be cured from heroin morphine addiction. No such thing. It takes a long time.
0: In your um, patterns and reasons for Kratom use study, you said that they they have a decrease in uh, respiratory depression. Is that why Kratom is safer than opiates? Is that one of the reasons?
1: Yes, of course. Um, Mm. Not to deny, it is clearly shown that people who are using opioids, they develop respiratory problems, but I've not seen Kratom users developing respiratory depression or resp- respiratory problems. I've not come across any of my patients, any of my ketom clients claiming that they have developed respiratory depression as a result of use. I've not seen this happening.
0: What yes. advantages would Kratom have in, in getting people to manage opiate withdrawal over uh, the methadone that's being used now in Malaysia? Yes.
1: Uh, Okay, the advantage of ketom over methadone is that correct? Yes. All right. Okay. So now you see, for example, um, if you are a methadone user, right? Mm -hmm. You You have to travel to a clinic to get your treatment on a daily basis. Yeah. All right. So majority of heroin morphine users, they are unemployed. They don't even have a vehicle to travel to a clinic to get their methadone treatment and there's also a perception there's also a belief there could be a negative perception they believe that uh, methadone dependence or methadone use could actually cause severe dependence you know they just dislike methadone because you are replacing uh, one drug with another drug mm-hmm. you are still trapped with your opioid addiction all right yeah. Though methadone is being told methadone is being reported to improve quality of life reduce uh, injecting risk behaviors yes not to deny but as i said someone who's dependent on heroin, morphine, they are tired, they are sick, they don't want to be on methadone. They want something that could actually keep them moving, something that could could make them feel active. They could work. You can get to see their significant improvements in quality of life. So they're looking for something like that. So therefore, they would prefer to use uh, ketom than methadone. And another thing is, if I'm a methadone user, if I go to the clinic, there's a possibility for the police to re-arrest me or to catch me, Mm -hmm. you see? Because you you look like an addict and you're coming out from a methadone clinic and the police might just stop and uh, interview you and if they suspect that, you know, you could be under the influence of other drugs. Because in Malaysia, I found a lot of methadone users are actually using crystal methamphetamine, you see? So, So this is how the police, you know, they want to look for a... Uh, for a a suspect or if they want to fulfill their KPI, key performance indicators, they just go to the methadone clinic and pick uh, anyone who is tested positive for ATS and vitamin type stimulants. So therefore, because of this fear, a lot of uh, heroin users, they dislike participating in methadone treatment programs for uh, those living in the rural areas because they don't have transport, they, you know, they are always being arrested by the police, so they have a negative perception towards methadone treatment in the country. So they found why not, you, know, you can buy katom uh, from your community, use katom, you don't need to leave your community, you just stay within your community, you can go to work, you don't need to rush to the methadone clinic every day in the morning to take your methadone supply.
0: And you mentioned methamphetamine. It Do you find that kratom helps people um, stop yes. using that as well?
1: Yes. yes. To tell you the truth, when I started doing uh, research on kratom, and the literature was saying that mitragynine has opioid-like properties. It has opioid-like effects. And uh, so that is why, as I said, heroin users in Malaysia, they're just not using heroin. We are having a big problem here with codependence. People are using heroin also are using crystal methamphetamine. So we're having this dual, um, dual uh, disorders, meaning to say that they are suffering from two different types of dependence, substance use disorder, opioid and ATS use disorder. So what I did was in the past, I get to see heroin users using it, but later part, I get to see people who are dependent on heroin and amphetamine type stimulants, Using ketone to reduce their dependence on heroin as well as amphetamine-type stimulants. So this is what I'm actually seeing. So I'm also a bit curious. I keep telling to my colleagues in in the lab, please do some kind of experiments to see whether there's any alkaloid in ketone that you know that has stimulant properties could be isolated and developed as a medication for people who are dependent on amphetamine-type stimulants. So basically, they're doing something. Um, but as I said, uh, when people consume decoction, ketom decoction as a juice, um, ketom helps to reduce heroin intake and methamphetamine intake. I can assure you this. And recently, I've done a study, but I'm still writing it. I get to see um, about uh, 300 over uh, heroin users were dependent on amphetamine-type stimulants. I get to see them because I wanted to know whether Ketom is being used to actually reduce heroin and ATS, and this is what I found from my preliminary findings, but I'm still writing the report. It could be out in the next two to three months, but yes, Ketom can help reduce opioid and amphetamine type stimulants dependence. It helps to do something, they could reduce their intake, yes.
0: Well, that's great. Um, And there was another study. I had Dr. Swagger on here um, a couple weeks ago, and I talked to him about this study that showed that when they initiate Kratom use, uh, illicit drug users um, lower their uh, risk behaviors around HIV. Does that have to do with the fact that they have uh, an increased social functioning uh,
1: when they use Kratom? Of course, uh, so this is what, uh, I also did another study recently with about 26 uh, ha- uh, heroin users were tested positive. And, uh, but that paper, is still under review, right? Uh, it's under review now. So I interviewed about 26 heroin users were tested positive for HIV. And they reported using katom And they told me that katom could actually help reduce uh, their engagement, their involvement, in risky HIV behaviors like injecting practices. Mm. When they start using Katom, they don't need to use heroin. They don't need to inject heroin. They don't need to share the injecting equipments. Mm. And if they were to engage in risky sexual behaviors, they are alert, they are conscious, they are aware, and they know that they need to wear a condom. You mm. see, So this is what I did recently. But in the past, in one of my studies, when I get to interview hundreds of heroin users, I get to see Katom could actually help reduce HIV risk behaviors. katom could be used as a harm reduction component to help uh, risky behaviors or HIV risk behaviors in opioid users.
0: Does the, the, the increased social functioning of Kratom users lead to a better public perception of Kratom in Malaysia? Okay.
1: To tell you the truth, at present... The community have negative perceptions towards Kato. Mm-hmm. As I see, it, it all started from the media highlighting negative image about Kato. Yeah. And another thing, the community doesn't know much about Kato. For them, they just uh, they the, the only thing that they know that Katoam is a drug, it is harmful. So the the press, the media, it's not educating, they are not disseminating the right information to the Community, the community should be educated. Uh, they should be educated, meaning to say that they should be given adequate information that Ketom is not harmful. I've been advocating this for a very long time. I said, mm-hmm. Ketom, it's not a dangerous drug. It is not as dangerous as heroin and crystal meth. I don't see her- Ketom users engaging in criminal behaviors. I don't see Ketom users experiencing impairments in social functioning. They were all productive. Compared to heroin and ATS users, they always engage in crime. A Ketum user doesn't need to engage in crime. You see, and he doesn't need to use katum every day. So if he doesn't have money, it is fine. It's okay. But for a heroin and ATS user, I and mean vitamin type stimulant user, if I'm an addict, if I don't have money, I have to commit crime. Mm. So, so the public or the community or the general public in Malaysia, they don't understand about katum because as I say. The media has ruined Ketom's fate in Malaysia. They have sent out the wrong information. And the community believe, oh, Ketom is dangerous. So if we were to talk about you know Ketom could actually improve social functioning, it is, it is a safe drug, nobody would actually believe us. It would take another five years to 10 years to educate the community that Ketom is an herbal drug. It is not harmful. It is just like coffee. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, that's how, I, that's
1: how I look at it. Um, so, so, so the thing is how, you know, you see, so the, the problem is, you know, uh, coffee is addictive, right? You know, uh, sorry, you know, coffee is addictive. Yes. But you need to discipline yourself. You know that, okay, one day, maybe in the morning, I take one glass, probably after two hours, I take another glass of coffee. Maybe late evening, I take another glass of coffee. You know, your limit is... It shouldn't be more than three glasses per day. But Mm. as I said, katum uses because it gives you so much of pleasure. It gives you so much of stimulant, a mixed effects of stimulant and sedative. And, you know, it just relaxes you. You feel good. You are not stressful. You are productive. You are energetic. So people continue to abuse katum. When they abuse katum, they develop dependence on katum. That is the only drawback. Uh, if you were to consume ketom in large amount, <laughs>
0: and that gets me to a lot of Americans uh, import it as a powder, and and some so I you know we've heard from people who use lots and lots of powder. Is it consumed exclusively
1: as a tea in Malaysia? Okay, to tell you the truth, ah, uh, to tell you the truth, I would say, uh, katom consumers in Malaysia. I'm not going to talk about Thailand. I'm not going to talk about other countries where ketom is available. But I can tell you in Malaysia, Katom users are very lucky because they get to buy, they get to ingest, they get to drink pure ketom juice. Meaning to say, if the ketom leaf is really getting older, maybe about 10 days old, 15 days old, 30 days old, it is fresh, it is freshly from the tree
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it is being boiled and within within five to six hours it is being sold in the community though it is illegal but people can buy fresh ketom juice and ketom juice is consumed fresh so that is why you don't see people developing all kind of side effects from ketom juice no such thing but the sad part in america is the product is coming in from indonesia Okay, Indonesia is the biggest global producer of kratom. Yeah. All right, the global producer. Now, we also have a lot of kratom trafficking activities that is uh, that is occurring along our Malaysian-Thai border because the Americans are so obsessed. They like Malaysian kratom, they like Thai, uh, kratom leaf from Thailand. But to tell you the truth, there is no kratom trees in Thailand. Though kertom, uh, Thailand has legalized kratom, for medicinal purposes, mm. but there is no trees. If they were to plant trees, it will take another five to six years for them to harvest katomi. So, the katomi that is coming in into America, consumers are being cheated, consumers are being misled. They're always being made to believe that the plant is coming from Thailand. No, it is coming from Malaysia. So, mm. the problem is, we would not know how long it takes for the material to arrive in America in the form of powder. And when it goes into America, people are actually adulterating kratom products. Yeah, they are adding all kind of funny, funny substances, harmful substances. And you know, and uh, these vendors or traders on the internet, they come up with all kind of marketing gimmicks. They say it is good for this, it is good for that. <laughs> it is all nonsense. It is all pure rubbish. So that is why the American Kratong Association. Is actually coming up with this proper Kratom Act so yes. that you, people get to use high-quality or genuine Kratom products. Now, the thing is, as I say, now, we would not know, uh, you know, the powder that is coming in into America could be three months old, could be four months old, could be five months old. It is not fresh. It is not fresh. We would not know what is actually happening. And then it is being modified. It is being adulterated. And then when it arrives to you, the product could be six months old. The product could be one year old. And then when you start using it for the first three days, for the first one week, for the first one month, you find, oh, it is good. It is really helping me. But after one month, you start developing all kinds of medical problems. (laughs) And then then you go to the hospital in America to the emergency room and the doctor there he said, this is interesting, you know. Let's report about ketom. Ketom can cause liver problems. Ketom can, ketom can cause psychosis. Ketom can cause mental health problems. It is ridiculous. We don't get to see all this happening in Malaysia. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> there was one, there's a couple of studies about cholesterol. Uh, I think the one, it was 77 ketom consumers. It showed that uh, their cholesterol re- Uh, Levels went up, and then there was another study that showed no change.
1: Do you think uh, kratom affects cholesterol at all? Let me just explain to you. Um, So uh, that study, I wanted to actually see whether long-term kratom use could actually cause toxicity, whether it could actually alter biochemical or hematology uh, parameters in ketom users. So I was very curious to actually identify, uh, you know, to just see what is actually happening because everyone is reporting, oh, long-term ketom consumption, it's not a problem. But it was so difficult for me to, you know, like draw blood from 77 people because they keep asking, why are you drawing blood? What are you looking at? So I told them I want to see whether long-term kratong use could actually uh, alter biochemical parameters. So when I draw the blood, it was sent to a lab and then we exp- uh, and we analyzed it. We found it does not alter biochemical parameters except it elevates or increases uh, this lipid profile, these cholesterol levels. But to tell you the truth, you know... Not to forget, we, so we cannot put the blame on kem that keto is actually causing cholesterol to increase. It could be other dietary factors, it could be other physical inactivity. So, 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 so that is why I said there could be other factors that have actually caused uh, the lipid profiles to, to, to go high in ketom users. Then in another study when I did, I found there's no significant differences between healthy control and ketom users. Maybe in this population of ketom users, uh, because it was done in, done in a different setting, uh, in a different location. So in the newest study, we found there's no significant differences in the lipid profile, probably could be attributed to Katom uh, users, are all hardworking people. They go and, you know, after using Katom because they're manual laborers. So after they use Katom, they go and sweat out so they have, uh, you know, they have a good, um, good health. So in this uh, new study, I found there is no elevation in lipid profile. So, so it is too early for us to make a conclusion to say that if I use ketong for prolonged periods, uh, there's a possibility of me experiencing elevation in my lipid profile. And in the long, long run, I could develop cardiovascular problems. So hmm. we have not investigated all that. But yes, um, we, um, we, we just did a study recently to see whether long-term ketong use could actually cause cardiotoxicity or not. Because in the animal studies, it shows that nitrigenin is cardiotoxic. So I did a recent study, but um, that that report is under review right now. So if it gets published, it'll be very interesting. Then you will get to know whether kratom could cause cardiovascular problems or not.
0: <laughs> yeah, and what about uh, kratom in the liver? Um, there's been studies that showed it might have affected a few people uh, in the liver, and there's been other studies not that showed has it had. hasn't. No, um,
1: I, I, as, I said, as I said, because you see... Um, because when they, when when many case studies started to uh, to appear from America, you know, there's a lot of case studies coming out from America showing that people who use uh, ketom or kratom, they develop all kinds of uh, bizarre or awkward liver disorders, and uh, so I was a bit skeptical. So therefore, I decided to actually do a blood test, and I found that ketom does not uh, impair uh, liver parameters. You see. Mm-hmm. And then I've been talking to my Ketom patients uh, until today. We do a lot of, you know, uh, experiments on Ketom users. I've not come across any single case or any single patient of mine saying that, you know, Dr. Darshan, I've been using Ketom and I've actually developed uh, liver problems. No, I've not seen that. But I'm a bit surprised why Americans who use Ketom in America develop all kind of bizarre uh, liver related disorders so mm-hmm. i, I would not know why maybe it could be due to the powder because as i said in malaysia people are consuming katom juice in the form of juice it's an herbal tea yeah you see so so in america people are actually diluting katom powder in warm water or in cold water so so we would not know whether the powder is being diluted properly or not so so that needs further investigation nah?
0: mm-hmm. I've even heard from people that said it caused hair loss. Have you ever heard that?
1: No, I've never come across anyone saying. <laughs> I can prove to you. I have. I've been working with Kato users. who have been using ketom for forty years, fifty years. Yeah. I see they have a lot of hair on their head. I've not <laughs> seen people complaining. My hair is falling because of ketom. No such no such thing. Uh, that the, the reason for the hair fall could actually be to the adulterated use of ketom products lah.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And that's why we really do want that Consumer Protection Act to be passed here. So, And we've heard from uh, Kratom consumers that they don't get better effects with higher
1: doses. Looking at the, uh, the, the, the based on Kratom consumers' experiences in Malaysia, just say, for example, if I want to start using Kratom, I want to start using Kratom today, I will usually start using Kratom in smaller quantities, all right? Smaller quantities, when you, you consume Ketom in smaller quantities, it normally provides you a mixture of sedative and stimulant effects. But the stimulant effects become more profound after about one hour or probably two hours. All right? Mm. So in small amounts, at the very beginning, after about 10 to 15 minutes, you experience two types of effects, sedative and stimulant. But as I said, the stimulant effects... Becomes more profound, all right? So, what happens is they start, they, they begin to develop tolerance. So, they start liking the stimulant properties, they start using more katom. So, in the long run, maybe, you know, after using for about one month from half a glass towards the end of the 30 days period, they start consuming one glass, all right? One full glass. So, so, they still get to experience the stimulant properties, but as I said, if they continue to take more katom there is a possibility of them, you know, so this is what happens. There's a possibility of them experiencing two types of effects, sedative at the very beginning and then stimulant effects pick up later. But as I said, the intake of katom will actually increase from one half a glass to one glass, one and a half, to two glass, three glass. So maybe after about four to five months, Uh, They already know that, you know, I just don't like the sedative effects because I'm consuming too much of ketom. It is no longer providing me the stimulant properties and I have to reduce the intake of ketom. So over time, you get to see there's a significant reduction in ketom intake. So I started with half a glass. I progressed to one and a half, two glass, three glass. But then maybe after four months, after five months, I feel that, you know, ketom... Uh, It's no longer providing me the stimulant properties, it is giving me more sedative effects, and I don't really like the sedative effects, I like stimulant effects, so you get to see there's a reduction in ketom intake, but as I say, it depends on the circumstances, just say today I'm actually depressed, Oh, I'm stressful, and I know that if I consume ketom in larger amounts, it might provide me the sedative effects. So, so you get to see people in a, in the in, in in the local community here some days you know maybe towards the weekend you know uh, i want to relax i'm not working so they consume more katum to experience the sedative effects but uh, on a working day they just take very small amount of katum for its stimulant properties so this is what i get to see uh, happening in my uh, ketom users in malaysia And then you did mention whether, if I'm not wrong, you did mention that um, uh, in one of your questions whether if you were to compare alcohol withdrawal effects, heroin withdrawal effects, with ketone effects, to tell you, if you were to you know uh, abruptly abstain from heroin use, it is so so painful, it is unbearable. Alcohol is even worse. You know, it is even worse the withdrawal, but if somebody wants to abstain from katom consumption, there's a pattern, you just cannot stop uh, overnight. You have to gradually reduce katom intake. Mm-hmm. But as I said, unless if you're being caught or you have to travel somewhere and uh, you have been addicted to katom you've got no chance to use katom then the withdrawal could be a bit unbearable, mm-hmm. but the withdrawal will only last for about two to three days. And then it, it just disappears after that. So if you were to compare between heroin and alcohol and ketone withdrawal, to tell you the truth, ketone withdrawal is much more, much more less intense uh, or less severe than heroin withdrawal and alcohol withdrawal symptoms. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you find that a lot of uh, opiate addicts take? Uh, kratom and opiates together or do they quit the opiates first and then introduce kratom when they're experienced withdrawal
1: no such thing to tell you the truth when i saw your question you told me whether is it safe if someone who is addicted to heroin or using opioids or morphine and they co-administer or co-use kratom it is safe it is i've not seen any any problems because I work with heroin users in the community. All of them are still using heroin, still using morphine, still using opioids. Mm. They also use Kratom. I have not seen them experiencing any adverse effects when they combine and use it. But as I say, um, what happens is like just say, now I use heroin. All right. Or maybe this morning I didn't have money to buy heroin. I start using Kratom first. And then in the afternoon, when I have my withdrawal, I have some money. I want to use heroin. I use heroin. So mm. there's no problem. Or just said after using heroin, maybe after about half an hour or twenty minutes, I just felt like you know the heroin is not giving me adequate high. You know, maybe if I use more ketom or some ketom, it could actually intensify my euphoria. Yeah, there's a possibility. But as I said, uh, using it in combination is not a problem at all. There is no problem. My patients, active heroin users, are combining heroin with katom katom with heroin. I've not seen them experiencing any side effects. Do a lot of doctors in
0: Malaysia know about kratom or, and do they um, e- even recommend
1: it to some of their patients? Um, okay, to tell you the truth, uh, most of the addiction uh, doctors or uh, doctors that are trained to uh, treat opioid addicts or opioid independence or to treat people with substance use disorder. They have very little knowledge about katom hmm. and uh, since uh, katom has similar opioid-like properties, so therefore, just say for example, a katom addict, he wants to actually wean off or he wants to quit or he wants to abstain from katom he goes and see a general practitioner or an addiction specialist. So normally what they do is they try to use uh, opioid-based therapy such as methadone or buprenorphine, you know, just to help them uh, reduce the intensity of ketong withdrawal. But again, um, so this is what the medical doctors are doing, but I would not know exactly how they treat uh, ketong users. but as I said, there is no need for a Ketom user to go and see a GP or a medical doctor to seek treatment because as I said, they have their own traditional methods of coming out from uh, Ketom addiction mm-hmm. uh, or they have their own methods to uh, address or, or to, to, what they call that, uh, to appease or to alleviate uh, Ketom withdrawal symptoms. Uh,
0: where where do you see uh kratom in the future do you see it being in the medical system as as a way to maybe help people get off of the harder drugs or where do you see kratom as going in the future
1: now you get to see kratom is becoming very very popular widely used in america widely used in europe meaning to say it is a magic plan it is doing something it is actually helping people It is helping to address the opioid crisis in the United States, as well as in America. But there are not many scientists who are doing good work. Uh, Government agencies are not giving us adequate resources, adequate funds to carry out research. And all these giant pharmaceutical companies, they know that Ketom is a magic plant. But they don't want to do anything on Ketong, you know, there, there, could becomes, there, there could be some kind of conspiracy, there could be some kind of propaganda, you know, to just paint uh, or, you know, to just, you know, to, to provide a negative picture about Ketong. Everyone talks about, oh, Ketong is dangerous, Kato is harmful, but they fail to understand that heroin and crystal meth abuse is more dangerous and more harmful. Mm-hmm. So... So as I said, not many people are doing good research on Ketom. So therefore, Katom it's not getting the right attention. But to tell you the truth, if we can actually, uh, you know, like uh, if we get dedicated researchers in America, working with Malaysian counterparts, if we can do great work to prove to the world that Katoum is a safe alternative to opioids, to tell you the truth, Ketom in years to come will be the mainstay Uh, for pain treatment and the mainstay for opioid treatment to tell you the truth. But as I said, um, there are many players out there who is trying to ruin, who is trying to destroy Katom state. So, and then not many people are aware and know and understand about Katom. I also sympathize and pity uh, Katom consumers in America, those who are dependent on opioids, you know, decided to use Katom. But as I said, when they start buying the wrong products, start using Kato, and they develop all kinds of negative side effects. They are also, there's also a possibility of them, you know, saying negative or bad things about Kato. So now I think, so there's a need for, you know, researchers, the global community, the global research community to come together, see and discuss and see what else we should do together collectively to show or to prove scientifically that ketom is a safe alternative to opioids. We need to do that because we know there are many people behind there. Like, you know, I'm not I, I got no right to talk about FDA. <laughs> all right. So, so but I can talk uh, in Malaysia, you know, you have all these regulatory agencies. Their main aim is, oh, destroy ketom, regulate it, ban it. It is harmful drug you know i always tell them so so uh, so so you are saying katom is much more dangerous than heroin and crystal meth they could not answer but they said yes it is equally dangerous but i say as a researcher i think so katom is very safe i don't I, I don't see people dying because of katom i don't see katom users engaging in crime no problem significant improvement in social functioning no problem
0: <laughs> thank you dr singh Look up uh, Dr. Darshan Singh on PubMed to see a lot of his studies and look for links in the description. Uh, Please like and subscribe if you're listening on YouTube. Give us a good review on Apple Podcasts. The Kratom Science Podcast is written and produced by me, Brian Gallagher, for KratomScience.com. Take care.